deck the halls with boughs of holly. Tis the season to be jolly. Gone we now our gay apparel. Troll the ancient yuletide carol. The blazing you'll be for us. Strike the harp and join the chorus. Follow me in merry measure while I tell of your tight treasure. Oh, Lord, yeah! Santa Claus! Ho 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 ho! Christmas, everybody. It's down the rabbit hole. I'm Big D. And I'm Brandon. And it is that time of year. And let me tell you, in researching for this show, I didn't realize how dark Christmas can be in other places of the world. Because here in the United States, I mean, the worst that happened was you were on the naughty list and you might not get stockings or as nice of a gift, but you usually got something. I mean, you might get a lump of coal, but that'll just help, you know, you could burn that and stay warm. So at least had a use. And that was a lot of times that was a joke. Yeah. You know, you got a lump of, lump of coal, your dad would be, ha ha, that's funny, or your presence in the corner kind of thing. I, I actually did that one year to the kids. Did you? <laughs> just, yeah. I, I just put like a lump of coal and it was like one of those, like, you know, it was a coal that you could eat. Like it was a bubble gum oh, yeah. coal. Right. And through that in a stocking, that's the only thing that was there. The rest of it was in the other room, but yeah, it was just like, he's like, uh, <laughs> well, it's that time of year. Christmas is obviously upon us and it is a universal holiday. So we thought we'd go down the rabbit hole. And I know we've done this before where we've talked about different traditions and different things, but we, we went a little deeper this year and yeah. tried to find a, some of the darker corners, some of the conspiracies around Christmas, which is kind of tough, actually. If you just Google up Christmas conspiracies, there's a lot of stuff that comes up about, you know, are they trying to get rid of Christmas? And it's, it's nonsense. It's a lot of stuff that's mm -hmm. kind of crazy. But there are some really interesting things around Christmas, Christmas traditions you maybe haven't heard about, and some of the darker side of Christmas. That's what we're going to explore today. We're going to have some fun. It's not going to be super deep or anything, 
but I think it's going to be entertaining, and we had a lot of fun putting it together, so hopefully you enjoy it. And if you're listening to this post-Christmas, just think of this as an early Christmas gift for next year. Definitely. I mean, it's going to be, there's a lot of things. Like when we did it the first time, I think we really focused kind of a little bit on kind of the origins of Christmas and didn't look to the other side, to some of the dark side of the other things that have to do with this time of year. And sometimes in some cultures do still have to do with Christmas. And we talked about, you know, why it's on the 25th. I mean, you know, if you actually look at the old Julian calendar, the 25th was winter solstice. Right. You know, there's all those things that have been beaten to death by so many different podcasts about how there's pagan origins and we've covered that, but this was the fun part of it. You have to start on the dark side of Christmas with Krampus. And I know there's a lot out there about Krampus, so get into it a bit. If you really, really want to go deep, there's hours and hour long podcasts where people discuss Krampus and the ins and outs of Krampus and all that stuff. But I've heard of Krampus. I know what Krampus is but i don't i don't think i really knew the full story of krampus no and i mean i have to i mean i have somewhere around here i have the krampus pop he's around here somewhere um it was one of the first ones i ever got because i've always thought the idea of krampus was cool but never looked to really figure out what he was i just thought he was some person that came out and if you were a bad kid he ate you (laughs) i mean then that was it and when you research it, there's a lot more. Yeah, because we don't have Krampus in the U.S. I don't believe they have. No. I don't think they have Krampus in Mexico or Canada, or because it's primarily a Central European phenomenon. Austria was the country that I found it the most. Was Austria and Germany? Um, a lot of Bavarian roots to this, which explains a lot. A lot of Germans look kind of like them when they're out in the woods for a while. <laughs> well, the name comes from a German name. Krampen, which means claw. Mm-hmm. So it's like this clawed beast. It's almost like a, I don't know, like a half wolf, half demon, part goat. Has this long tongue. Very menacing, very evil looking creature that, yeah, only the Germans and the Austrians could come up with in their lonely, lonely, cold, desolate winters. With like one hoofed foot and one human foot. But, I mean, you know, he's supposed to be scary because that's it's what he is. He's supposed to – you only see Krampus or, you know, he only comes to you if you're a bad kid. Yeah, according to the legend, the Norse legend, he's the son of hell. H-E-L, not like hell, but the son yeah. of hell. He is Which the – Which was the, the – what? He was the god of the underworld, right? Yes, and he's the evil twin of Santa Claus. That was a new one on me. Yeah, or so, Saint Nick, as they called him. Right. They called so him Saint Nick. They're kind of like um, the 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 yin and yang of the underworld, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, and that was what was weird. I mean, it depended on which like village kind of you got your information from. Because some thought that one of the ones I was reading about actually thought that Krampus wasn't a person. There wasn't a Krampus. Krampus was a creature, like a dog. There was just there was Krampus and that Saint Nick would go to the their lair where they all stayed in this cave and would say, Okay, you, you're my Krampus this year. And they worked together and they would go from town to town together. And that basically if Saint Nick put a lump of coal, and this is where the coal comes in, if he put a lump of coal next to the fireplace, that meant that you were a bad kid and you were Krampus's. Yeah, Krampus would come along with a sack. 
and either beat the kid. I guess it depended on how bad you were, right? You either got a beating yeah. or you got dragged off to hell, to the underworld in. with Krampus. And mm-hmm. sometimes they would just eat you. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, if you've was, never seen was... photos, people still, they still have Krampus parades and Krampus night. Oh. People dress up. It's, it's in some parts, they have parades. It's a huge deal, mm-hmm. this Krampus. It's thing. a huge deal. Um, Because what, December 5th is Krampus Knot, which is the night before, I think December 6th is St. Nick's Day, St. Nicholas Day, but December 5th is Krampus Knot, or December 6th. According to uh, Travel and Leisure, and they're they're giving a rundown on what to expect if you go to Austria and some of these places, they say that Krampus parades seem to be more popular among adults or at least those in their late teens and early 20s, and it's a similar crowd and feel to Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of things that I read would say, because it is, it's December December 5th is Krampus Knot, December 6th is the Feast of St. Nicholas. But during the parades, a lot of times teenagers will basically dress up as Krampus in furs and masks and everything else and walk around with switches and get drunk and beat people around the legs. Yeah, it says here it's there are no rules and you could get hurt at these parades. Yeah. And they, they got they have switches. swirling whips and they walk around and just swack people. Yeah. Sounds like a jolly good time to me. Oh, it does. Festive spirit. It's probably no more dangerous than being in a mosh pit at like a social distortion show or something. Especially in the nineties. They've gotten, uh, the last couple of times I've been to shows and gone into Moss Pitch, they're not what they were in the 90s. says some Austrian households have year-round decor meant to warn kids of Krampus. Krampus would deliver gold-painted bundles of birch sticks to children, and these were used to beat them. Mm-hmm. The, ha- the families would hang these birch twigs on the wall for the rest of the year as decoration to remind the kids to stay in line. Stay in line and you will get beat. Apparently, it's kind of made its way into the U.S. a little bit. It's getting more and more because of that. I think the movies, which I own one of the movies and I've seen it, and it's not bad, but I mean, it's not great. But I mean, it, once they get into Hollywood, it has nothing to do with the real. And that's kind of the reason most of us believe what we believe about Krampus is movies in Hollywood. But if you actually look at the the history, it's completely, completely different. Yeah, the whole Hollywood version is ridiculous. I mean, they made it into a a terror or horror figure yeah. that, you know, haunts you and everything. That's, that's not how that works. They did in the 19th century. They started sending out cards called Krampus carton, which were greeting cards with Krampus on them. <laughs> I've seen photos of those. They're scary. Yeah, they are. There's also a sort of a, um, a side character. I, and a lot of people believe this maybe was inspired by Krampus, but in France, they have this Pierre Foutard, who is uh, St. Nick's sidekick as well, and he is called Father Whipper. Yeah, I heard about him. He's been a prominent figure he in sounds- Eastern France since 1477. Apparently how this worked is that there was a butcher, and the legend said that he had killed and chopped up three lost children, stored their meat in a barrel of salt. But that night, St. Nicholas knocked on his door asking for a meal. Fearing the consequences of feeding human flesh to the then bishop, the butcher lied and claimed he had no food left. So instead, 
St. Nicholas reportedly asked for some salt, and the butcher knew he had been found out. The butcher was forced to confess his crimes, and St. Nicholas, putting three fingers on the barrel, resurrected the children completely unharmed. The butcher, meanwhile, was chained to St. Nicholas' donkey and forced to become his off-putting companion. And so Santa travels around with this guy, and he does all of Santa's dirty work. Probably scoops up the poop of the reindeer, washes them, <laughs> lubes up the, uh, the sleigh, tightens the bolt, whatever. He's, he's that guy. <laughs> I could see it. And, and I think it's one of those things. I kind of like the idea of the Krampus and everything else because it's one of those things we've always had to have a yin and a yang. There's got to be, you know, a good. If there's, if there's no evil, there's no good. And I think that's one of those things. Everyone's all, you know, like you said in the U.S., we've all been like, if you're bad, you get a lump of coal, you just don't get nothing. Woo. But in those countries, if you're bad, you could get beaten and stolen by the freaking the Krampus. It's like, oh, that's a whole nother, another thing. And apparently Santa uses this, uh, this Pierre guy sort of as a, as a Krampus figure or you know, one of the other figures to keep the kids in line. Hey, if you are bad, I'll just turn you over. And you know what he did in the past. So he's not above, you know, whooping your yeah. butt. So, <laughs> Yeah, Krampus, by all accounts, when Christianity kind of moved into Germany and Austria and stuff, they sort of merged the two. Uh, because before that, it was just Krampus. Krampus was the kind of the yeah. Santa Claus, kind of the, you know, the, the threat figure. And so they kind of merged the two, and they became sort of the the evil twins and so forth. So it's interesting how this stuff morphs, and it, it just goes to the fact that we love mythology. And as humans, <laughs> back then they didn't say, hey, you can't watch TV. We're going to take away your iPad. We're going to you know, make you do extra chores or whatever. That didn't do it for the kids. There had to be some figure out there that scared the crap out of them to mm. keep them in line. <laughs> But I love it. I love. I think that's great. The other one that I saw was Belsnickel. One of the things that I found, he was similar in ways to kind of all, both of the ones that we just talked about, both, you know, the, 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 the Whipper and of Krampus. But here's kind of one of the things that I found that was written in a uh, Maryland miscellaneous writing thing about him back in 1824. Uh, he was known as Chris Kinkle, Belsnickel, and sometimes as the Christmas Woman. Children then not only saw the mysterious person, but felt him or rather his stripes upon their backs with his switch. The annual visitor, annual visitor would make his appearance some hours after dark, thoroughly the disguise, especially the face, which would sometimes be covered with a hideous, ugly fizz, generally wore a female garb, hence the name Christmas Woman. Sometimes it would be a veritable woman, but with masculine force and action, he or she would be equipped with an ample sack about the shoulders filled with cakes, nuts, and fruits, and a long hazel switch which was supposed to have some kind of charm in it as well as a sting one hand would scatter the goodies upon the floor and then uh the scramble would begin by the, by the delighted children and the other hand would play the apply the switch upon the backs of the excited youngsters who would not show wins but had been parental discipline there would have been screams to reach a long distance basically saying that he would throw candy on the floor or the kids would go after the candy and he would beat him with the switch and if the kids didn't Yelp, it showed that the parents had been doing their due diligence and beating their kids. Yeah, well, and then we, we can go to Iceland where they have 
Gryla, the Christmas, uh, the witch, and she has a cat, and she also has uh, some elves that she wanders around with. It says, the children in Iceland should also beware of the Yule cat, and that this Yule cat might find them as a tasty delight if you've been naughty since last Christmas. What happens is, the Yule lads begin invading Iceland on December 12th, 13 days before Christmas, and they hang around until Christmas Day. Each one of the Yule lads comes down from his home in the mountains to watch and loom about in the city streets and homesteads, taking notes. These Yule lads are kind of trollish in appearance. They don't really look like humans. They look like little trolls or whatever. And they take on all kind of mischievous and downright disturbing roles, like one named Window Peeper, because he looks through windows at unsuspecting people. Uh, then I there's knew a guy the, in high school like that. There's Stubby, Gully Gawk, Door Slammer, Pot Scraper, and there's even one named Skirt Blower. Huh. <laughs> so they take notes, and then they pass that on. And so then Gryla, who's this monstrous troll woman and she does have a husband but he's lazy and he just hangs around the house he never leaves so she goes out and does all the work she's accompanied by her 13 children the yule lad so she joins them and her yule cat word has it that gryla steals down from her domain in the mountain to the towns where the bad children lay asleep in their beds she carries a large sack with her so that when she snatches up the children she has a safe place to put them this goes back to the 13th century. Gryla means growler in English and has been haunting children's dreams since then. She lives in a cave high up. She comes down to eat naughty children whenever she has the urge. Nowadays, she sacrifices her energy to descend from her abode and kidnap the kids only around Christmas time. She has a husband, and I can't pronounce his name. She grabs up all these kids in the sack, the ones that have been naughty, are her little elves, her lads, and her cat help her take them back up to their cave where she boils them up, and that's what she lives on. She and her big fat husband, who doesn't do anything, that's what they live on for the rest of the year while they hang around till next year. Apparently, they have some sort of agreement with the town folk that they'll only come down once a year, and it's uh, it just happens to be at the holly jolly time of Christmas. Wow. Yeah, Austria and Germany have a lot. I don't know what they they hate Christmas. Did you know in uh, Austria too? It's actually believed that if you are born on Christmas Day, that you're a werewolf. Really? Hmm? I didn't that know if you that. Were born on Christmas Day, it's a curse because you can't share the holiday with. And side note, Iceland is one of the few, very few countries, maybe the only one that Santa does not visit. They don't get gifts from Santa. No. Yeah. He doesn't even go there. And you would think it's Iceland. He'd be welcome and he'd have no problem getting there. You would think. Maybe it's the Hildefolk. They keep him out. But for 13 days, you're under the gun as a kid. No way. Worried about, you know, peeping toms, people blowing up your skirt, slamming doors, scraping pots. (laughs) There's some some interesting things. The other one, did you you run across Frau Perchta? Frau Perchta was the, another terrifying Christmas witch. Um, this was Austria and Germany again. Also known as Birchta or Bertha. And has been called Spin Stubenfrau or Spinning Room Lady. Basically, you have to spin and 
your do your your get your flax spun by the twelfth night, which is January sixth. So you have to do your your spinning and keep your house clean. And if you're spinning and your house cleaning cleaning isn't done, um, she'll basically disembowel you and fill your fill your insides with rocks and. So and again, hay. you're un- you're under a lot of pressure. And she has her friend, who are the Perchton, which is her army of servants who are visually nearly indistinguishable from the Krampus. So she runs around a bunch of Krampus, and if you don't do keep your house clean and get your spinning done by the 6th of January, um, she'll cut out your insides and disembowel you and fill you with rocks and, and, and straw. Well, and it doesn't end there. If you go back, if you go over to Austria, they have the rock knot. And it's this 12 days of Christmas between Christmas and January 6th. Although, according to this article, the exact number of days varies from region to region. So it could be shorter, could be longer. It's this idea all around listening, which is, you're like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, tradition says that by listening closely, you can learn about your fate for the coming year. Some people meet at remote crossroads to listen, and it's not easy to interpret the various sounds. If you suddenly hear happy singing, a wedding is in the cards. The sound of a saw, on the other hand, is said to predict a death in the near future. So that sounds like a lot of fun. It does. Also, during this time, a whole host of demons supposedly fly through the night skies. They sow disaster wherever they go. This is why people in certain regions of Austria are still hesitant to hang laundry to dry between Christmas and New Year's Eve. Because they'll get yanked and taken. It's also said that they do a ritual to protect the animals from the bad influence of this rock knock. Folklore has it that around midnight, animals can speak and foretell the future. And as tempting as it sounds, one should not try to listen, as it would spell certain doom. And so to ward off this stuff, they burn incense and also swallow what they call schluck which are little notes depicting the Virgin Mary. Why wouldn't you just take communion, take sacraments? Why, why do you have to eat some paper? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just wonder how some of this stuff gets started and continues. Like this, All this stuff had to start somewhere with either a person or a group of people, and then it spreads and sticks and stays. That's, that's how we get our traditions. You know, a lot of people think that the Santa Claus that we have now in the U.S. was invented by Coca-Cola. Yeah, the, because, the image of him. Yeah, the image because Santa and Father Christmas and St. Nick and all these things that are all the same around the world, he was a skinny guy. Yeah, he was a skinny guy. I mean, he wore robes. The red and white is typically, but there are some cultures with different colors. But red and white was the, the typical Red and green was because of the holly and the berries, but the red and white was typical, but he was skinny. And the beard, but I mean, you know, it was Coca-Cola that made him fat and made him the chubby guy that we all know. Yeah, because he looked kind of like a Christmas Gandalf in yeah. old postcards and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. well, here's another one. The Christmas ornaments, a lot of people put Christmas ornaments on their tree. Well, these are specifically about the round ball ornaments. And they're believed to come from a pagan tradition called witch balls or Yule balls. (laughs) 
This goes like back- I said when we, you mentioned this before we recorded, I figured it'd be the warlocks' balls because I didn't think witches had balls. Well, that's apparently why they are witches now. But yeah, dating back to 17th century England, <laughs> ornaments were shiny and filled with things like glass or thread. And instead of being hung on trees, they were hung in the east window of homes all year long. And they were supposed to protect the house from all kind of sickness, curses, bad fortune, witches, and so forth. And were believed to trap evil spirits inside of them. And that was the beginning, the genesis of these Christmas ornaments, the Christmas balls. Kind of like maybe the, the, the dream catchers of Native American. Right, and according to a different article that I read, some people still make witch balls today, fill glass ornaments with crystals, herbs, fruits, plant trimmings, and other items believed to have protective properties. So there are still places, apparently, where that's a thing. That is crazy. But if you go, like, another down the the, the witch avenue, if you go over to Italy, now we're getting a little bit out of the, the, you know, Austrian stuff, but in Italy there was La Bafana which was the, the witch of Christmas. And she was uh, kind of basically almost Santa, but a woman. So very friendly, amiable Italian witch who rides around on a broomstick. She often smiles and carries a sack full of candies and gifts. Um, as everyone knows in Italian folklore, La Bafana brings presents to the good children in the morning of Epiphany on January 6th. Maybe she married so. Santa and became Mrs. Claus. Well, there's two legends on where she came from. So the first legend is about the three wise men, that the three wise men stopped at La Bafana's house to ask for the road to Bethlehem. They asked her to accompany them, but she denied. She stayed at home to finish the, the cleaning and promised that she would catch up. By the time she finished her chores, they'd gone too far. She began running after them with the presents for the baby, uh, Jesus, still carrying the broom in hand. Somehow she began to fly on the broomstick, but never found the wise men. So now she goes around gives them, giving presents to all the kids. Because so. if she gave them directions and yeah, then she could fly, she you would think she would run across them at some point. You would think. but. And then the second one was during the reign of King Herod. You know, he ordered the, the execution of each male child born in the year of Christ's birth. One lady couldn't bear the loss of her child and tried to convince herself that her boy was not killed but lost. Instead, she wrapped up all the child's belongings, started searching from house to house. Finally, she came upon a child convinced that was her. she had found her lost son. She placed all her son's belongings next to the crib where the baby lay. And that's the other origin, thought of possible origin for La Bafana. But that's a whole other belief that, you know, around Christmas and giving presents. Yeah, and side note, Herod destroyed all the records, which is why nobody knows the actual date of Christ's birth. I don't think <laughs> birthdays were as a big a deal back then, but you would register <laughs> it. And so they were all destroyed. Anyway, I thought this was interesting. If you're looking for a party game around Christmas, this is one that actually <laughs> happened. And they would do this quite a bit. This is according to the 1775 Dictionary of the English Language. It was called Snapdragon. It is this game where players would snatch and eat as many treats as they could out of a literal burning fire. To play, brandy was set on fire. And treats like nuts and raisins were tossed into the flames. And people would take turns seeing who could eat the most without getting burnt. This is also mentioned in the works of such authors as Charles Dickens, Lewis Carroll, and Shakespeare. 
the people who were skilled at the game would literally put the fruit blazing into their mouth, which being closed, the fire would extinguish. Man. So, hey, little, you know, Christmas revelry, gather around the table, light some stuff on fire, <laughs> do some fire bobbing for apples. <laughs> I see that going really bad. I see that going. I see a house burning down. Horribly wrong. I'm telling you, listeners, now, if you decide to do this, we had no part in it. We did not tell you to do this. So well, we do want video. Yeah, but we want video of it. <laughs> so this is my favorite revelation of this show. I did not know this, and I just thought this was hilarious. There's a thing called wasslers or wassling. Mm -hmm. And there's a famous song, Here We Come a Wasseling," which later was changed to Here We Come a Caroling. We've all heard it. Wassel in the United States, we know as a drink. People make wassail. And it's like, a, I don't like it. You, you like it. It's like orange and vanilla and, I don't know, different stuff. It's, and it's warm. It's a warm drink. It is. It is well, at least the one that I've had. Um, like I said, we used to go like do gingerbread houses at a family friend's house every year. And what she made was more like, it was more like an apple cider. Yeah. Yeah, it was an apple cider with, you know, some spices and some cinnamon and like cloves, cinnamon cloves in it. Right. But there was no alcohol. So I think that Which, was my that problem. That was supposed that. to happen. Yeah. I mean, if they'd put some alcohol in it, I might have liked it better. <laughs> so here's what wassailing actually is. It's not people walking around caroling. What this was back in the day, crowds of drunken people would knock at someone's door, usually a feudal lord, which is like a landlord, or a politician they didn't like. And this, this crowd of drunken revelers would make demands of them, refusing to leave until they were given a treat or let in. And sometimes, what I read most of the time, because they were hammered, they wouldn't leave unless they were given some of the very best stock that the lord had. It was kind of an uprising, a revolt. And if they weren't obliged, they would sometimes break into the house and or start throwing rocks at the outside breaking windows. And if you read the original Scottish wassailing song, it went like this. We've come here to claim our right. And if you don't open up your door, we'll lay it flat upon the floor. And then another verse, it says, come, butler, draw us a bowl of the best. Then we hope your soul in heaven shall rest. But if you draw us a bowl of the small, then down will come butler, bowl and all. And then later it says, when they say, give us some figgy pudding, give us some figgy pudding, and give us some right now. So this was a demand song. This was like a threatening song. Here we come. Yeah. We're, com we're coming wassailing. And wassailing wasn't a jolly fun time for whoever was at home. Whoever's being wassled. Yeah, so you go to the bar, you get hammered, you draw up a list of all the people's houses you want to go to. <laughs> it definitely sounds like a fun time for the people that are doing the wassling. I, I kind of want to go wassling now. According to this article, things took a turn for the less violent in the 14th century, and wassling became more of a holly jolly tradition to celebrate by visiting neighbors. Wasslers then came with a big bowl of spiced punch, ale, or wine to share. And they would dip pieces of toasted bread or whatever that they brought 
and that was the origin of toasting. Hmm. That's where toasting came in. I did not know that. No, that one's... Wow. And are you familiar with the mistletoe? I know it. I have some, some underwear with mistletoe on it. And do you know what mistletoe means, literally? I'm hoping it means for kisses, but you know what? No. Dung on a twig. Dung on a twig? <laughs> Missile is I'm the Anglo- going to say what that, you know, yeah. <laughs> Missile is the Anglo-Saxon word for dung. And tan, which is the toe part, is derived, uh, which is where it's derived from means twig. And this is because ancient Anglo-Saxons noticed that mistletoe tended to grow where there were bird droppings and believed it could spontaneously materialize from the dung. Hmm. Pretty romantic, right? Here, stand under this dung stick. This dung stick. (laughs) Kind of explains why it's on my underwear now. Okay. (laughs) So Ukraine, obviously, in the news a lot. So oh, I thought yeah. I'd look over, look up, like, what do they do? What, what's going on over there for Christmas? Well, they have... Right now, they hide from the Russians. Yeah, prob- and they're hoping that the Christmas spider shows up. The Christmas spider, yeah, ooh. Yeah, the Christmas spider. In Ukraine, these spiders are seen as symbols of good luck, and some families decorate their Christmas trees with jeweled spiders or spider webs. So kind of like oh. Nightmare Before Christmas. That'd be kind of cool looking. This goes back to an old legend of the Christmas spider in the tale. An impoverished widow and her children are unable to decorate their tree, but wake up on Christmas morning to find a spider has spun beautiful, intricate webs all over it, which turns silver and gold in the sunlight. Some also attribute the story of the Christmas spider as the origin of tinsel as well. Hmm. And I can actually see that. I don't know about the gold and silver part unless it was reflecting in the light, but I can actually see that happening. Unless you go out and cut down a tree and you put it up, you don't have anything to decorate it with. And a, you know, overnight, some spiders spin a bunch of webs on it. You're like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. I could see that, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at a photo right now of these Christmas trees in Ukraine with these big spiders that are all red, green, and silver. And they look like they're made out of like the back part of the spider. Look, looks like a, um, a witch ball. Hmm. A bulb. I see that. Did you know that Christmas was illegal in the United States for a while? Why? Christmas was illegal and offenders were fined if they were caught celebrating it. In 1659, the penalty for keeping Christmas law was enacted by the Massachusetts Bay Colony calling the festivities a great dishonor of God and offense of others. If caught feasting, not working, or partaking in other merry and bright activities, perpetrators were fined five shillings for each act. You were not wow. allowed to celebrate Christmas. And it also, there was another one too. There was another place uh, in the United States where they copied this. And the theory is, is that it goes back to the whole pagan rituals of it, the Saturnalia, because Mm -hmm. that was, if you go back to the beginning of that, it was quite the holiday where it was like a lot of sex, a lot of drinking, a lot of revelry, a lot of disorder, a lot of out of control behavior. That's what that festival was, which is why the Catholic church was trying to replace it. 
Sounds like what I'm hoping my Christmas is going to be. Well, you're the master of your domain, so. Well, I mean, right now it's just me and the wife, so I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's the present I want. Jeez. Oh, maybe. Yeah, you got to leave that out for Santa. Don't be bad or you're going to get yeah. put into a sack and you're gone. The whole leaving goodies out for Santa, I never understood that. I, wasn't, I assumed he was because he was hungry or needed a snack along his way. But then as you get older, you realize everybody's leaving your stuff out. And maybe that's why he's so fat. Could be. But not so. It's actually rooted in ancient North myth, uh, mythology. And it was popularized in the U.S. during the Great Depression. It started basically in the 30s. Parents in the Great Depression used it as a, quote, learning tool to teach the importance of giving to others despite the time of hardship, which is hilarious because they're leaving it out for, cover your kids' ears right now, they're leaving it out for dad or mom. So I tell my kids, it's, it isn't milk and cookies, it's, it's whiskey and well, <laughs> more whiskey. Just a side note, I thought this was interesting. This was a list I was looking at. According to a 2010 study, analyzing Facebook relationship statuses, one of the most popular times for couples to break up is two weeks before Christmas. The money-saving thing. Christmas Day is the least popular day for a breakup because, yeah, you've already, you've already got there. Yeah. So if you were like, you're, think, there. you're thinking about it, you're like, uh, I'm thinking about it, but no, I guess not. I'll, I'll back off. And uh, then you're kind of stuck into it. All right. So I got to play a clip for you because I did a show a while back, a midweek edition about conspiracies and rock music. And we did some backmasking on that show because that was a big mm -hmm. thing for a while. I have a friend who sent this to me. And he was uh, he lives over there in Spokane. <laughs> I'm going to play this for you. And this is the word Santa Claus said forward and played backwards. I think it does it three times. OK. OK. So listen to both. Everybody out there, listen to both. And we're going to come back and we're going to discuss what we heard, what you heard versus what he thinks he heard. So here we go. Santa Claus. Salkatness. Santa Claus. Salkatness. Santa Claus. Salkatness. Santa Claus. Salkatness. All right. So, forward Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And then on the back end, what did you hear in the back, in the back masking part of it? I didn't really hear anything. It's all something. But I mean, it didn't, it wasn't an obvious word. He believes it says sell Christmas, that it's a conspiracy, that every time you say Santa Claus, it's a marketing tool that you're going to go, you know, sell, you're going to go buy. Sell, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't hear sell Christmas in there. What I do hear, I do hear the Christmas part. That's the second word. Fairly clearly. I mean, it's, it, you hear what you want to hear, obviously. But to me, yeah. it sounds like it says solve Christmas. I'm going to play it again. I'll go through a couple of them. See what you hear again. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. 
Solve Christmas. So to me, I can kind of hear Solve Christmas if I was to be put into a corner, but actually I don't hear anything. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, if you really, I mean, it's almost Christmas, but I mean, to me, that first word's more self. Right. Every, you self people, like, that's the whole thing about backmasking. There are some that's obvious because it was put there by intent, and I went through that with my show. Mm-hmm. And how this happened was, this is a, a guy I know who was, he worked at a radio station, and he was running some ads. He was, he was actually recording some ads, and he had to reverse the tape to go back and do some editing. Mm-hmm. And he went back across that, and that's what he heard. So he was like, that's weird. And he really thought he was on to something. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people forget the way you used to have to edit was you actually had to rewind the tape. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm dating myself there. We actually had to go into oh, a yeah. soundproof room where you had reel-to-reel tape, and you would have to back it up, mark it, cut it, splice it. Yeah, there was nothing digital when I started. That was crazy. <laughs> I think yeah. about those days now. Yeah. I would spend hours in that room. Yeah. making bumpers and sound effects and cutting ads and all kind of stuff. So anyway, that, that is from a while ago, but I just thought, well, I'll throw that in there. I'll see what anybody hears. It's, it's kind of different. It's kind of weird. Oh yeah. Message us. Let us know what you hear. Yeah. Uh, maybe you heard something we didn't. I don't know. I think the last one that I have to go through, which I thought was interesting is there's been a bit of a controversy over the last few years, when I was on Facebook, and this has been years ago, this was creeping up, and this is this idea of Black Friday. Where Black Friday came from, what it represents, and how we got where we are with Black Friday. Of course, the term Black Friday used to have nothing to do with Christmas. It had to do with this stock market financial crash on September 24th, 1869, that was the first use of the word. And I think that's one of the things they're trying to take it, you know, take that word and make it not sound so bad. I got in trouble, though, because I I made the comment that maybe they called it Black Friday because it came after White Thursday, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so back in 1869, Jay Gould and Jim Fisk, they tried to corner the market on gold, and so they bought up a ton then they, they hoarded it, and they tried to spike the price, and, and it collapsed Wall Street for a while, which is why they call it Black Friday. But this, I thought, was interesting. I didn't know this part about it. The real history behind what we know as Black Friday. Okay, so let me before I get into that, it has nothing to do with the southern plantation owners. That is a complete falsehood myth, this idea that they would bring the slaves on a Friday and put them up for auction and then they called it Black Friday. That is a lie, and it is a myth. There's no truth to that whatsoever. And I saw that all over Facebook one year. I haven't even heard that one yet. Oh, yeah, I was all over Facebook for a while, and I was just like, you guys are really stupid. But Black Friday in the 50s, (laughs) the police in Philadelphia used the term, this is where it kind of got its modern setting, to describe the chaos that ensued on the day after Thanksgiving when hordes of suburban shoppers and tourists flooded into the city in advance of the big Army-Navy football game that was held on that Saturday every year. 
Not only were the Philly cops not able to take the day off, but they had to work extra long shifts dealing with the additional crowds and traffic. Shoplifters took advantage of the bedlam in the stores and made off with all kind of merchandise, adding to, obviously, the headache. Now, fast forward to 1961. Black Friday had caught on in Philadelphia to the extent that the city's merchants and boosters tried unsuccessfully to change it to Big Friday in order to remove the, quote, negative connotations. The term didn't spread to the rest of the country until much later. As recently as 1985, it wasn't in common use nationwide. Sometime in the late 80s, however, retailers found a way to reinvent Black Friday and turned it into something that was reflectively positive rather than negative. The result was that the <laughs> red to black concept of the holiday, meaning you operate in the red all year, you sell a bunch, a whole ton of stuff, and you go into the black on that Friday. That's why they, that's yeah. why they call it Black Friday. That was the reinvention of the word. Yeah, I would say that's one of the things that when I looked it up a while back that I saw for the first time was that it was that a lot of retailers called it that because they, they ran in the red all year. And then because they sold so much on that day, it finally put them in the black. Well, this is how propaganda works, too. And, and sometimes in a good way, because according to History.com, the Black Friday story stuck this idea of the monetary going into the black. And pretty soon, the terms darker roots in Philadelphia were largely forgotten. Mm -hmm. And since then, the one-day sales bonanza has morphed into a four-day event. And as we know now, it's, we don't even really have it anymore. Now it's Cyber Monday. It's online sales. And I mean, this year, Black Friday was really a nothing burger. I don't know if you know this. If you, if you weren't around in the 80s and the 90s, people would line up overnight. Yeah. Like trying to buy concert tickets. People would go after Thanksgiving dinner and literally sleep on sidewalks all night long to rush into Walmart or Nordstrom or the mall or wherever they were going. And all kind of chaos ensued. Fights. People would hoard stuff. They would create these false shortages on like cabbage patch dolls or whatever mm -hmm. tickle me elmo whatever the big tickle me elmo was the big one yeah whatever the big toy was people would literally get into fist fights mm -hmm. or what was that arnold was saying it's sinbad that whole movie of them trying to get a toy and running from store to store trying to get it for their kid for christmas because it was that you know this is the big toy every kid's got to have this year and then they only made supposedly there was a shortage on them. Yeah, was that Jingle All the Way? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I've never it's seen It's a horrible it. movie. Yeah, I've never seen it, it's but but yeah, I mean, it was a thing and it was, I avoided mm -hmm. it like the plague. And you would get a newspaper on Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day, and it would be the thickest paper of the year. It would be monster and 90% of it were ads. And so you would sit around and flip through all the ads and people would make game plans and they would, you know, I'm going to this store, I'm going to this store, I'm trying to get this and this and this and this. And it was nuts. But Black Friday as we know it now, which I think it's probably going to disappear at some point. It's start starting to, but it's starting to fade away because there's a lot of stores. Um, I know REI doesn't open on Friday. 
uh, the, the day after Thanksgiving. There's a lot of stores that have just said, we're just not doing it. So Yeah, and there was a time when they would open up actually like at 11.59 or 12.01. There, there were some stores that started getting to a point where it was like 6 o'clock on Thursday. I know. It got insane and out of control. I actually am glad it scaled back a bit. Because uh, you, you had to drive around a mall or drive around any kind mm-hmm. of big store. It, you couldn't get in. It was a disaster. People yeah. were pissed. It was not a holly jolly time. Well, in like 2013, there was what? I think it was in California. There was a death because one of the Walmart employees like got trampled opening the door. They opened the door to the store and... The so many people trying to get in to get to the you know first ones to the you know doorbuster prizes or clearance items actually trampled and killed the worker. It doesn't surprise me because I was working a little bit of retail. I was working for Nordstrom. I'll just say it. I wasn't working in the sales department, but I was working the shipping and receiving. But I was in the store and I saw that go down, and it was crazy. There was a time when Nordstrom would hand out tickets because the line was so big, they would hand, and then they would say, one through 50, come on in. And then 50 through 100, come on in. And people would sell their tickets. Mm-hmm. It was a random generator. Like they just go hand out tickets, and then, okay, anybody, one through 50, and you'd have to come show your ticket to get in. So if you had number one or whatever, people would sell that for two or $300. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's crazy, crazy. Nuts. So I'm glad we don't. I'm kind of glad that's fading out, actually. So did you have? Yeah, it's pretty much being repl- replaced with Cyber Monday. So. Right. So now it's just Amazon and uh, UPS and USPS and DHL and FedEx trucks buzzing around everywhere. Yeah. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? No, that was pretty much. I mean, everything that I was, you know, we, we got we got quite a bit in that. That was a lot of fun, and I hope you out there enjoyed it and maybe learned something that you didn't know. I always find that to be a fun exercise to just challenge myself to go, like, no specific topic. Let's just scour and see what we come up with. And if there's stuff out there that you know about that we didn't touch or you think would be interesting maybe for next year, drop us a line. Let us know about it. Give us the topic or an article or whatever it is you have because – Obviously, I've lived in the United States my whole life, and so I only know about this stuff through reading and maybe some documentaries or talking to people who came from other parts of the world. So it's interesting to hear other people's experiences from where they're at. Yes, it is. And all you people who are down there in Australia where it's summer, we have no idea what that what that's like up here to have Christmas in the heat, like in the middle of summer. Yeah, I know. That, I mean, it a, feels like summer up here. I mean, now that I'm in Texas, I mean, it feels like summer compared to Washington. But Right, but yeah. most of the U.S. is going to be cold or snowy or drizzly or whatever. And in Australia they're, and other parts of the world, it's stone-cold summer. Like, they're in the middle yeah. of it. So drop us a line, down the RH at protonmail.com, down the RH at protonmail.com. And I, I want to say this, because, and I know we've, we say this every year, but it, it is important. You are not alone. It's a, I know it's a tough time of year, and both Brandon and I have worked in mental health capacities, counseling and or whatever, and working with people who have a tough time 
this mm-hmm. time of year. It's it's it, that's a very common thing, but you're not alone. And I would encourage you to please either make a phone call, go to somebody's house, don't sit and wallow in whatever spiral down you're in. It just makes it worse. You can reach out to us. Hey, we'll have a we'll have a conversation with you either via social media or email or we'll find somebody we'll find some help that can that can come your way just please be safe out there and if you're going down that hole reach out that's all i can say just reach out don't be alone don't be afraid you'd be surprised a lot of people would just would love to have you join them if nothing else it's for your own sanity and for your own safety yeah, so true. Um, you can reach out to us down the RH at protonmail.com or, you know, most of you know my, my Instagram is Mr. underscore B underscore 666. Reach out. If you, if you need to talk, we're always here. Yeah, and if you're in the U.S., you can always dial 988. 988 is the crisis hotline, and it's just, just like 911, just 988. You can text it. You can call it whatever. And they will be there and they will help you. So everybody have a very Merry Christmas, great Christmas season. Brandon, another great year. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I know you're going on vacation, so I'll be doing next week by myself. So I'm going to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I will be doing the, the midweek coming up. but Yeah. So in the meantime, everybody, have a great week. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.